Act Two of Don Juan, or The Feast with the Statue, by Molière, translated by Henri Van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, A Landscape Near the Seashore, Scene One, Charlotte, Pierrot. By Jingo, Pierrot, you were there just in the nick of time. The bobs, they were within an ace of being drowned, both of them. Was it the great storm this morning that upset them in the sea? Look you, Charlotte, I shall tell you outright how it happened. For as the saying is, I saw them first, first I saw them. I was on the seashore, I and fat Lucas, and we were a-larking together with clods of earth that we threw at one another's heads. You very well know that fat Lucas likes to be a-larking, and so do I sometimes do. So as we were a-larking, well, we were a-larking, I perceived a distance of something that stirred in the water, and that came bobbing towards us. I looked fixedly at it, but all of a sudden I saw that I saw nothing more. Aye, Lucas, says I, I think that there are men a-swimming down there. Oh, says he. You've been at the burial of a cat. Your eyes are dazed. So death, says I, my eyes are not dazed. They are men. Now, now, says he to me, you are pure blind. Would you wager, says I, that I am not pure blind, says I, and that they are two men, says I, who are swimming straight this way, says I. Snigs, says he, I lay a wager they are not. Well, come on, says I, I will lay you ten pence on it. Merry will I, says he. To show thee there is the money down on the nail, says he. It was neither a fool nor a gabby. I've only threw down upon the ground four silver pennies and sixpenny worth of happiness as freely a faith as if I had drank off a glass of wine, for I am very venturesome and go on any way. Yet I knew what I did, howsomedever. I am not such a fool as I look. We had but just laid the wager when I saw the two men very plainly and made signs to us to come and fetch them. I take up the stakes. Come, Lucas, says I, you see that they call us. Let us go at once and help them. No, says he, they have made me lose. Then, to cut short my story, I went on so, and at last preached so much to him that we got into a boat, and then I made so much ado that I got them out of the water, and then I carried them home to the fire, and then they pulled off all their clothes and stripped to dry themselves, and then two more of the same gang came, who had saved themselves quite alone. And then comes Mafarine, and one of them cast sheep's eyes at her. And that is precisely, Charlotte, how all this has happened. Did you not say, Pierrot, that one of them is a great deal handsomer than the rest? Ah, he is the master. He must be some great, great man to be sure, for he has gold upon his clothes from top to bottom, and his servants are gentlefolks themselves. For always being a great man, he would have been drowned if I had not been there. Lock a day! Aye, indeed. If it had not been for us, he would have had his fill of water. Is he still at your house without his clothes on, Pierrot? No, no, they all put on their clothes again before us. Mercy on me, I never saw any of these folks dress themselves before. What a parcel of gimcracks these courtiers wear. I should lose myself in them, and I was quite flabbergasted to see them. Why, Charlotte... They have air which does not stick to the heads, and after all they put it on like a big cap of unspun flax. They have smocks with sleeves that you and I might get into. 
instead of breeches they have an apron as large as from this to easter instead of doublets they have little tiny waistcoats that do not reach to the middle and instead of bands a great neck handkerchief all open worked with four large tufts of linen hanging down over their stomach they have bands about their wrists too and great funnels of lace about their legs and amongst all this so many ribbons that it is a downright shame the very shoes are stuffed with them from one end to the other and they are made in such a fashion that i should break my neck in them i fackens pierrot i must go and see them oh hark you charlotte stay a little first i have something else to say to you well tell me what is it do you not see charlotte that is the same years i must unbosom myself to you i am in love with you you know it very well i am forced being married together but spodikins i am not pleased with you how what's the matter the matter is to tell the truth that you vex my very heart how so because by the powers you do not love me ho ho is that all ay that is all and enough too law pierrot you always say the same thing to me i always say the same thing to you because it is always the same thing and if it was not always the same thing i would not always say the same thing but what do you want what do you wish drat it i would wish you to love me why do i not love you no you do not love me and yet i do all i can to make you i do not mean to reproach you but i buy ribbons for you of all the peddlers that come about i risk my neck to go and fetch jackdaws out of their nests for you i'll make the pipe play for you when your birthday comes and all this is no more than if i ran my head against the wall do you hear it is neither fair nor honest not to love folk that love us but lock a day i love you too ay very much indeed what would you have me do then i would have you do as folk do when they love as they ought why do i not love you as i ought no that is the case anyone can see it people play a thousand little tricks to folk when they love them with all their heart look at step thomas how smitten she is with young robin she is always about him to tease him and never lets him alone she is always playing him some trick or other or hits him a rap when she passes by him the other day as he was sitting upon a small stool she comes and pulls it from under him and down falls he at full length upon the ground zounds that is the way folk do when they are in love but you never say a word to me you always stand like a log of wood i may go by ye twenty times and you never stir to give me the smallest stump or to say the least thing to me upon my word it is not fair after all and you are too cold for folk what would you have me do my temper is such and i cannot alter myself temper or no temper when a body loves a body one always gives some small inkling of it i love you as well as i can and if you are not satisfied with that you must go and love somebody else why fair now i've got what i bargained for zooks if you loved me you would not say that why do you come and worry me so and what harm do i do you i only ask a little friendship from ye well let me alone then and do not press me so maybe it will come all of a sudden without thinking of it shake hands then charlotte charlotte gives him her hand well there 
promise me that you will do your best to love me more i will do all that i can but it must come of itself pierrot is that the gentleman yes that is he oh lack a day how nice he is what a pity it would have been if he had been drowned i shall come again presently i shall go to take a pint to refresh myself a little after my fatigue scene two don juan scanarel charlotte in the background we have failed in our plots scanarel and this sudden squall has overturned our sloop as well as the plan we had formed but to tell you the truth the country wench i have just parted with makes amends for this misfortune i have found such charms in her that they have effaced from my mind all the vexation caused by the ill success of our enterprise this heart must not escape me i have already disposed it in such a manner that i shall have no need to sigh long in vain i confess sir you astonish me we have hardly escaped from the jaws of death and instead of thanking heaven for the mercy it has granted us you labour anew to draw down its wrath by your usual whims and your amours seeing don juan look angry peace rascal that you are you do not know what you are talking of my master knows what he does come don juan perceiving charlotte ha whence comes this other country girl did you ever see anything prettier tell me do you not think she is as handsome as the other certainly aside another fresh morsel don juan to charlotte whence this pleasant meeting fair one what are there in these rural spots amongst these trees and rocks persons as handsome as you are as you see sir do you belong to this village yes sir and do you live there yes sir what is your name charlotte at your service ah what a beauty what piercing eyes sir you make me quite ashamed oh do not be ashamed to hear the truth what do you say scanarel can anything be more agreeable turn about a little please oh what a fine shape hold up your head a little pray oh what a pretty face is this open your eyes wide oh how lovely they are pray let me see your teeth oh how love inspiring and those provoking lips for my part i am delighted i never beheld so charming a person sir you are pleased to say so i do not know whether you make fun of me i make fun of you heaven forbid i love you too well for that i speak to you from the bottom of my heart i am very much obliged to you if it is so not at all you are not obliged to me for anything i say you owe it to your beauty alone sir all these words are too fine for me 
I have not wit enough to answer you. Scannerel just cast a glance on her hands. Fie, sir, they are as black as anything. Oh, what are you saying? They are the fairest in the world. Pray allow me to kiss them. You do me too much honor, sir, and if I had known it just now, I would not have failed to have washed them with bran. Pray tell me, pretty Charlotte, are you married? No, sir, but I am to be very soon to Pierrot, our neighbor Simonetta's son. What? Should a person like you become the wife of a simple clodhopper? No, no, that would be a profanation of so much beauty. You were not born to pass your whole life in a village. No doubt you deserve a better fate. Heaven, which very well knows this, has led me hither on purpose to prevent this match and to do justice to your charms. For, in short, beauteous Charlotte, I love you with all my heart. It only depends upon yourself whether I shall carry you off from this wretched place and put you in the position you deserve. This passion is doubtless very sudden. But what then? It is owing to your great beauty. I love you as much in one quarter of an hour as I would another in six months. Really, I do not know what to do when you speak. What you say pleases me, and I should very much like to believe you. But I have always been told that we must never believe gentlemen, and that you, courtiers, are cozeners who think nothing but of making fools of young girls. I am not one of these. Not at all, not at all. Look ye, sir, there is no pleasure in being imposed upon. I am but a poor country wench, but I value honour above everything. I would sooner die than lose my honour. I have a soul so wicked as to impose on such a person as you? I should be so base as to dishonour you? No, no, I am too conscientious for that. I love you, Charlotte, virtuously and honourably. And to show you that I speak the truth, be convinced that I have no other design than to marry you. Can you have any greater proof? Here I am ready, whenever you please, and I call this fellow to be a witness of the promise which I make you. No, no, never fear. He will marry you as much as you please. Ah! Charlotte, I plainly perceive you do not yet know me. You do me great wrong in judging of me by others. And if there are rogues in the world, people who only endeavor to make fools of young women, you ought not to consider me one of them, and never doubt the sincerity of my love. Besides, your beauty is a guarantee for everything. When a woman is as handsome as you are, she ought never to entertain such fears. Believe me, you do not look as if you could be made a fool of. As for me, I protest I would stab myself a thousand times to the heart if I fostered the least thought of betraying you. 
good heavens i do not know whether you speak the truth or not but you make people believe you you do me justice most certainly by believing me i repeat anew the promise which i have made you do you not accept it will you not consent to become my wife yes provided my aunt has no objection give me your hand then upon it charlotte since you do not object but at the very least sir pray do not deceive me it would be a sin and you see how honestly i act what you seem to doubt still my sincerity would you have me swear the most frightful oaths may heaven bless me do not swear i believe you give me one little kiss then as a pledge of your promise nay sir pray wait till we are married and then i shall kiss you as much as you wish well pretty charlotte i will do whatever you please only give me your hand and let me by a thousand kisses express the rapture i am in scene three don juan scanarel piero charlotte piero getting between them and pushing away don juan gently serve you please you're getting too warm you may get a pleurisy don juan pushing away piero roughly what brings this impertinent fellow here piero placing himself between don juan and charlotte hold hard sir you must not kiss our wives that are to be don juan pushing piero again away ha what a noise sir death people are not to be pushed thus charlotte taking piero by the arm let him alone piero what let him alone i will not not i ha drat it because you are a gentleman you come here to caress our wives under our very noses go and kiss your own what what don juan gives him a box on the ear don't it do not strike me another hang it another sounds another it's blood and wounds it is not fair to be people it's my reward for saving you from being drowned do not be angry pierrot i will be angry and you are a hussy to let him cozen you oh pierrot it is not as you think this gentleman will marry me and you should not be in a passion ha but you are engaged to me that makes no matter pierrot if you love me should ye not be glad that i am to be made a madam no i would as soon see you hang to see you and others come come pierrot do not fret yourself if i am a madam i shall make you gain something you shall serve us with butter and cheese sounds i shall never serve you with anything even if you would pay me twice as much do not listen thus to what he says fish had i known this just now i should not have taken him out of the water at all but i would have given him a good rap upon the head with my oar don juan coming up to piero to strike him what is that you say piero getting behind charlotte drat it i fear no man don juan coming towards him let me only get hold of you piero gets on the other side of charlotte i do not care not i don juan running after him we shall try that piero 
getting anew behind Charlotte. Oh, I have seen many a man as good as you. What? Oh, sir, let the poor wretch alone. It is a pity to beat him. Placing himself between Don Juan and Piero and addressing the latter. Hockey, my poor lad, move off and do not talk to him. Piero, passing before Scanarel and looking boldly at Don Juan. I will talk to him. Don Juan lifts up his hand and intends to give Piero a box on the ear. Ha! I shall teach you. Piero ducks down his head, so Scanarel receives it. Scanarel looking at Piero. Plague take the booby. Don Juan to Scanarel. That is a reward for your charity. Sounds. I shall go and tell her aunt of all her goings on. Scene four. Don Juan. Charlotte. Scanarel. Don Juan to Charlotte. At last I am going to be the happiest of men, and I would not change my happiness for all the world could give me. And what pleasures shall we have when you are my wife? And what? Scene 5. Don Juan, Charlotte, Matherin, Scannerel. Scannerel, perceiving Matherin. So, so. Matherin to Don Juan. Sir, what are you doing there with Charlotte? Are you courting her too? Don Juan, aside to Matherin. No. On the contrary, she told me she wished to be my wife, and I told her I was engaged to you. Charlotte to Don Juan. What is that Matherine wants with you? Don Juan, aside to Charlotte. She is jealous of my speaking to you, and would like me to marry her. But I tell her it is you whom I wish to have. What? Charlotte? Don Juan, aside to Matherine. All you can say to her will be of no use. She took this into her head. What then, Matarine? Don Juan, aside to Charlotte. It is in vain to talk to her. You will not get this whim out of her head. Would you? Don Juan, aside to Matarine. There is no possibility of making her listen to reason. I should like. Don Juan, aside to Charlotte. She is as obstinate as the devil really don juan aside to matherin do not say anything to her she's a fool i think don juan aside to charlotte let her alone she is silly no no i must speak to her i will hear some of her reasons what don juan aside to matherin i will lay you a wager that she tells you that i promised to marry her i Don Juan aside to Charlotte. I will bet you anything that she will maintain that I have given her my word to make her my wife. Hark you, Charlotte. It is not right to meddle with other folks' bargains. It is not polite to be jealous because the gentleman speaks to me. The gentleman saw me first. If he saw you first, he saw me second and has promised to marry me. Don Juan aside to Matherin. Well, did I not tell you so? Matherin to Charlotte. Your humble servant, it was me and not you whom he promised to marry. Don Juan aside to Charlotte. Did I not guess it right? You may tell that to others if you please, but not to me. It was me he promised to marry, I tell you. You make fun of folks. Once more, it was me he promised to marry. 
there he is he can tell you whether i am right <laughs> there he is he can give me the lie if i do not speak the truth did you promise to marry her don juan aside to charlotte you're joking is it true sir that you have given your word to be her husband don juan aside to Matherin. could you entertain such a thought you see she affirms it don juan aside to charlotte let her alone you are witness how positive she is don juan aside to Matherin. let her say what she likes no no we must know the truth we must have it decided yes materine i will have the gentleman show you your mistake yes charlotte i will have the gentleman make you look foolish decide the quarrel sir if you please satisfy us sir you shall see and you shall see too charlotte to don juan speak Matherin to don juan speak what would you have me say you both maintain that i have promised to marry you does not each of you know the whole business without any necessity for me giving any more explanations why should you oblige me to repeat what i have said has not the person to whom i really gave the promise sufficient reasons within herself to laugh at what the other says and ought she to trouble herself provided i keep my promise all the speeches do not forward affairs we must act and not talk and facts prove more than words therefore that is the only way in which i shall satisfy you and when i marry you shall see which of you two has my heart aside to Matherin. let her believe that she will aside to charlotte let her flatter herself in her own imagination aside to Matherin. i adore you aside to charlotte i am entirely yours aside to Matherin. all faces are ugly in comparison with yours aside to charlotte when a man has once seen you he cannot bear to look at others aloud to both i have some trifling message to deliver i shall be back again in a quarter of an hour scene six charlotte Matherin, scanarell Charlotte to Matherin. I am the one he loves, however. Matherin to Charlotte. He will marry me. Scanarelle, stopping Charlotte and Matherin. Ah, poor girls, I pity your innocence. I cannot bear to see you run thus to your destruction. Believe me both, do not be imposed upon by the stories he tells you, but stay in your village. Scene 7. Don Juan. Charlotte. Matherin, Scanarelle. Don Juan, in the background, aside. I should fain know why Scanarelle does not follow me. My master is a knave. He only wishes to make fools of you. He has made fools of a good many others. He marries the old sex and. Seeing Don Juan. It is false. And whoever tells you this, you may tell him he lies. My master does not marry the old sex. He is no knave he does not intend to deceive you nor has he ever made a fool of any one oh stay here he is ask him yourself don juan looking at scanarelle and suspecting him of having said something yes sir as the world is full of backbiters i was beforehand with them 
and I was telling these girls that if anybody should say anything wrong of you, they ought not to believe him, and be sure to tell him that he lied. Scannerel. Scannerel to Charlotte and Matherin. Yes, my master is an honourable man. I'll warrant him such. Ahem. They are impertinent rascals. Scene 8. Don Juan. La Ramée. Charlotte. Matherin. Scannerel. La Ramée. Aside to Don Juan. Sir, I came to tell you that it is not quite safe for you to be here. How so? Twelve men on horseback are in search of you. They will be here in a moment. I do not know how they have followed you, but I have learned these tidings from a countryman of whom they inquired, and to whom they described you. As there is no time to lose, the sooner you leave here, the better. Scene 9 Don Juan, Charlotte, Matherin, Scannervel. Don Juan to Charlotte and Matherin. Urgent business obliges me to leave this place, but I entreat you to remember the promise which I made you. Depend upon it. You shall hear from me before tomorrow evening. Scene 10. Don Juan, Scannervel. As we are unequally matched, we must make use of a stratagem, and cleverly escape from the misfortune that pursues me. Scannerel, you shall put on my clothes, and I— Sir, you are joking. To expose me to be killed in your clothes, and— Make haste. I do you too much honour. Happy is the servant who has the glory of dying for his master. Thank you for such an honour. Alone. As it is a case of death— Grant me a favour, O oh heaven, not to be taken for another. End of Act Two.